Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 69, where in a moment we discuss how to teach kids about money. That's today's show topic and it's on the way, like I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we've covered loads of stuff, mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at buy to let. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to do to address your problem your financial issue and follow the show and in that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time i'm john ellis with me as always the star of our show it's phil anderson hi phil hi john how are you today good thank you so here's one where i remember in previous shows we sort of lamented the fact that kids aren't taught about this more in schools because it's a real world real life aspect they should be aware of money in all its facets brilliance and complications it's good bad and downright ugly traits why it's important to have it and how you go about doing that and it's always seemed to me to be such an oversight that we don't do this a little bit more in schools phil even when i was in school i bet you had something of this nature as well there's what we used to refer to as the tsb lady and she would come around and visit our primary school so you would go in with any pocket money you've been given and your wee bank book and she'd take the money write up what you deposited what it meant to your overall balance rubber stamp it and off you went and even that tiny thing gave you more of an understanding about money than what kids have today i think now they don't even do that to the best of my knowledge although they do say finances on curriculum in schools across the uk so why is it so important to teach kids about money when they're young phil i i think they are starting to get into schools a wee bit more now although they could still do an awful lot more Sadly, at school, they, they don't teach you. And I know certainly when I was at school, they, they didn't teach us about money at all. And same with things like running a business. There's, there's certain things that I think they could do more of. But te- teaching children about money, it just equips them with the knowledge and skills they need to manage their money effectively so now and in, in the future. And I, I think it's well proven that children who do better with money tend to have parents and carers who talk to them about it at an early age and give them the responsibility for, for saving and, and spending it at an early age as well. So quite, quite an important subject to today, I would say. And I, I think teaching children about money, it helps them make their future more secure. So the sooner you start developing their financial skills, the sooner they can hone these skills as well. So how do you go about it in real terms of filming? Do you just start talking about money, playing with shops or something? Maybe how does talking about money help and what sort of age we should we be starting this? Well, so see, I think it all depends on their age as to what you're speaking to them about. But even at kind of like age three and four year old, you, you can play games. And I, I know with my youngest son, I mean, the, what, one good thing about today is I've got kids right across the different age groups. I've got plenty of experience <laughs> of speaking to them all about different things. But my, my youngest son, but what I'll do with him is we, we've got, he, he's actually, when they say obsessed with money, must be like his mum, but um, <laughs> he loves yeah. he, he loves counting money. Yeah. So, so if I've actually got real coins, 
I'll teach him and I'll say, right, look, this is a 20 pence or this is a 10 pence. I'll, I'll actually show him the numbers. And he, he's starting to get to an age where he can recognise actual numbers. Oh, that's a 1p, that's a 2p. But he loves counting them. He loves putting them in like columns and, and adding them up, counting with them, even just basics like, right, one, two, three, how many coins have you got? So I, I would say that you can start at, at any sort of age, but having conversations about money, it builds the kids' confidence on the subject. And it just helps them develop their, their financial skills as well. And I mean, as children who are encouraged to talk about money do tend to do better with money as they, they grow up as well. And kid, kids often learn by watching. And um, but what I would say is try to set good examples for, for your children and try to make it fun as well. I, I take the kids around shops. I wouldn't advise it. At Christmas, the kids are always like, yes, I want that. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> they can often learn. Kids can often learn by watching. So when I'm out, I, I take them to the supermarket. I, I try to explain to them. I mean, I, I've got two eight-year-olds. So I try to explain to them, right, look, this is the price of this one and this is the price of that one. And sometimes I'll say, right, which one are we going to go for? The supermarket's own brand or the more like famous brand and just getting them in and then they'll oh, go for that one because it's cheaper. And I know my older kids, they're like, no, no, I want the more expensive brands. That's going to taste better. Or we whatever. want the name. Yeah. I know. So that's it. But it's good to let the kids compare prices on things. I, I show them the, the little tickets with, with the prices on the, the supermarket stands so they can see. And it's good that the older they get, the, the more they understand things, but it, it's great to look at any age and, Try to have fun with it. That, yeah. That's the thing that I would say as well. And I mean, you, you touched it there, the, the sort of aspects of money that we should be teaching them at certain ages. I mean, if you're playing forts or something with your wee boy and he's a toddler, you can hardly turn around to him and say, so this fort's basically like a second property. You could let it out. And if you want to know more about that, check out episode 68 of my podcast. How do you know what you should be teaching them and when? I, I would say it's just try to do what's appropriate for, for their age. So as I mentioned, a lot depends on on what your children's age are. So if you've got older kids at that point, you might want to, to kind of get them. I mean, like my my older kids just now, but what I do, you're getting more like virtual money these days and, and yeah. virtual things. And with, with the older boys, my, my oldest son, he's always looking for like FIFA points or coins for games and, and stuff. So I, I kind of relate that to him and say, right, look, the coins are basically like, virtual money almost and right how many of these you got to spend how much is this costing so that can sometimes be a good way to teach older children but for for the younger ones as i mentioned like at, at primary school age it's maybe getting them counting coins start speaking to them about spending and saving i, I know it, it's easy like setting budgets is a, a good thing as well as kids get older they start to want more I mean, my, my two-year-olds, they, they're at the point where they're starting to understand the difference between what they want and what they need. So it, yeah. it can be quite a difficult line to, to kind of balance. But once your kids do get a wee bit older and get to their teenage years, you can start to give them a wee bit more responsibility with their, their money there. And I think I did mention earlier, try to set good examples for, for your kids. That's, yes. that's something that I think is key as well. Yeah, so just to recap, you can do things like um, little games with rewards. So, you know, counting, you mentioned 10s and 20s and maybe reward it with some money in the piggy bank. I, I spoke about 
um, the TSB lady earlier. Other financial institutions are available. Coming around to our school when, when I was wee, but it's probably still a good thing to do this, isn't it? Getting kids into the way of saving money when they're young, teach them to put cash aside, even if it's a little of their pocket money into a piggy bank to put towards something Yeah. Uh, until they're, they're old enough to have their own bank account and sort of understand how that works. But just getting them, you're talking about setting good examples, just getting them into good money habits is important, isn't it? Definitely. I, I remember when I when I was at primary school, the new five pences came out then, the little tiny ones. So it used to be that five Ps were a, a wee bit bigger. And I, I remember saving. I was like, oh, yes, this new coin, I want to save as many of them. When they first came out, there wasn't that many. So you got one, you're like, oh, ace, this is, this is new. And I gradually thought, right, I'll keep saving these. And so that that's what I did when I was a, a, a kind of primary school, I think, when, when they came out. But I would save them in the bank. It was good fun. And over time, I used to do the same. You would take them out and count them. And it was good for learning yeah. 5, yeah. 10, 15, Absolutely. 20, the, the five times table. So so it was great. One tip that I read somewhere was somebody said, when you've got a piggy bank, instead of just using a normal piggy bank, use a clear jar to save money in because kids can then see the coins building up and it's meant to be more visual. So I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense as well. So that's maybe a wee tip on the, the banky side. Yeah, the thing is as well, Phil, when you're a kid, and I know you'll know this from having your own and all boys as well, there's there's such a lot of pressure to a certain age for everyone to dress the same. They all have to have the same trainers or jeans or jackets, that peer pressure to have the same stuff. It's it's kind of relentless. They're like a, They look like an army. I'm wondering if it's a good thing every now and then to teach them the difference. You mentioned your two and three-year-olds getting the difference between wants and needs. So, you know, you tell them you'll pay for half of one thing, but you won't pay for it for two things. And they have to make the choice and save for the other half part of the one thing that they do pick. Or am I being cruel? Because i got to tell you, it's a, it's a bit late in the day now. I've started it. <laughs> Is well, it a good, th- good thing to teach them about priorities like yeah, that? I mean, like Campbell and Forbes are, are eight and... But I'll maybe do with them as if, if they've been really good at school. I might say, right, boys, I'll get, give you £10 each to, to go and spend in the shop. And for the, the two of them are so different. Forbes will go in and he'll pick up something. He'll be like, right, I'm having this, I'm having that. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, look, you're over your budget. One of them's got to go back. So he'll put one back. He, the, th- the first thing that he usually picked up usually goes back. And then oh, I'll, I'll stick with this. Campbell takes ages. He He'll sit there look at things yeah. you can see him like oh what do i want and and again sometimes i think he buys things just for the sake of spending his money and yeah. always say to him it's like look you can keep this for another day and then you'll have more the next time but i guess kids it's in their nature and my kids certainly their nature seems to be no i've got this now i want to spend it I, straight away that that is a that's a very kid thing i mean i've been I remember my, my boy when he was younger, he would, you know, if you had if you had 10 pounds, if he didn't spend all of it, he'd think that the rest of it would disappear or something. You know, he just couldn't put it back <laughs> in his pocket. It had to burn that hole there. I and know. then uh, talking about pocket money, Phil, I, you know, I sort of sway one way or the other on this. I think it's good to teach kids about the idea of doing chores for cash, right? But at the same time, grandparents tend to give kids pocket money if they can, simply by virtue of the fact the kid was born. And you can't turn around and take that away from them, can you? Is, is pocket money a good thing? I, I like the idea of kids earning their money. So rather than just giving them it for, for nothing, try to get them to do things for it. So I, I know in our house, we'll have different kind of, I, I call it like a chores list. I don't know if that's the, the best thing to call it, but we, we've got a list of things and 
if the kids do stuff on there, they get rewarded with, with pocket money. Um, I know some people just give their kids money and say, right, you've got this allowance each week. And I, I also, like, I, I find my boys. So if, if they misbehave, mm-hmm. so I, I did, again, that's just something I do. So they, they'll maybe have so much money, but if, if they misbehave, it's like, right, I'm taking a pound off your, your money. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, but you kind of do that. And it's like, well, I can. It's just getting them into the, the good kind of habits. And like I say, I like the, the idea of kids earning their money having the, the piggy bank to, to put the money in is good. I, I think it's important to keep that piggy bank in a safe place as well. And, and it's also good to teach them the lessons about keeping their money safe from an early age as well, because sadly in this world that we stay in, not everybody is honest and, and things can go missing. So I think it's important to kids to teach the kids about kind of money security as it, well. In a way, it's kind of sad because your, your kids like mine i imagine anyway probably for their entire lifetime they've never known like reasonable rates of interest it's always been where i mean this is a blip that we're in but it's been a blooming long blip where you know you've had absolutely (laughs) virtually zero interest on savings and what you want to be showing your kids is the reason you put it in the bank is you know, if you have 50 quid at the start of the year, by the end of that year, if you don't touch your money, then it's going to go up to this. And, you know, these days, it's probably going to go up to like 51 pounds if you're lucky. Yeah, right. I mean, like interest rates, I had a look. HSBC had one at two and a half percent. A couple of other banks had rates at like one, one and a half, two percent. The, the interest rates were really quite poor. So mm. the incentive to save is not so much more what you'll get in, on the interest, but more just to save up an yeah. amount so they can buy something. That that seems to be it. And I know when coming back to the pocket money, what, what I do is when when the kids get money, I'll often say to them, right, how does it make you feel? And, and try to get them feeling things about it as well. That, that's what, what I do. Catch them in the moment. That's a good one. Here's another one, Phil. Now, you see, I don't think my boy, now he's 15 now. I don't think he ever sussed really the concept of money until he got a job cleaning chalets and lodges at a hotel. Then, literally, the penny dropped. He was buying himself all sorts of stuff straight away. He thought this was the greatest thing in the world. Then, before he knew it, he was wanting to buy something now where he would lo- we would loan him until his next payday, at which point he'd pay us back. But on this went until we had to say no, because A, he was going to bankrupt us, but B, if we'd left it unchecked, he'd have been doing deals where he was spending money based on like six pay slips from now, and that's... Hardly a good habit to have. So we had to bring him into check and simply say no after a while. But you've got to do that, don't you? Otherwise, you're simply teaching him about credit and by funding it, that it's okay. He was spending beyond his means. You can't support that, can you? I know. that's uh, I, I know what it's like. I mean, with, with my older kids, when they ask to borrow money, they're, they're really meaning give me it and never pay it back. So a, a loan can often turn into a gift. <laughs> with, with the kids. They're never going to tell you. They're myself. never going to tell you. I, I think... When it comes to borrowing, I think it's important to teach the kids that when you do borrow money, it costs you. And especially on, on some short-term borrowings as they get older. I mean, I, I know things like payday loans can be really expensive. Um, good to teach them how credit cards work as well. I mean, the interest rates on some credit cards can be 25 to 30%. So it's good to explain to them how that works. And with the older kids, like my, my teenage sons, that, that's something that I, I try to teach them. And it's the same. I, I do give them money at times, but it's trying to get them to earn it rather than just giving them handouts because they, they become, 
they, they then start to expect that as they get older. Yeah, I'm just thinking now. So the next time he says, "Can you can you lend me this until my next paycheck?" I was like, "Yeah, here's my terms and conditions. Sign here." And <laughs> and uh, and he owes me a fiver. But no, you're I, right. I think you mentioned there as well. It's like trying to get them into the habit of not spending money yeah. that they don't have. And and I say that regularly on on different podcasts. It's like try to spend less than you earn. It just seems so simple yet. So many people spend more than what they earn. There's a there's a great saying, and I, I I wish for the life of me I could remember where I heard it first, but you know it's probably just someone I I met in a pub or something, and and it was their granny saying, and it was dinner spend what you can't fold, you know if yeah. if you don't actually have it in your in your wallet then don't don't spend it. I wonder as well, Phil. You know my boy, I said is fifteen. Is he too young for us to be saying? okay, we'll take part of your wages for food and board or, you know, something similar. Up until now, we've spoken to him about the idea of paying your mortgage monthly or your utilities. And yet still, if he's last up, every light in the house would be left on overnight. And, you know, he'd start, he'd switch on his computer in the morning, then go to school and come home so that he'd save time for his computer booting up when he got back home by leaving it on all day and i'm thinking maybe that wouldn't be the case if he thought he was paying us for it so should you get your teenage working kids to pay something towards house bills maybe yeah i know when when i was a teenager I, and, and had a part-time job i used to have to pay board and i, I didn't I think it served me badly at all it got me into a habit of knowing that i had to, to pay out for things and and to be fair most of the time my mum would kind of give me that money back but uh. it was good to have to pay it out and then you would sometimes get it back. But I think as the kids get older, you can maybe increase the pocket money or they maybe get jobs that themselves at that point. And, and that's when it's good to get them buying things like maybe toilet trays, clothes, getting them paying for, for social activities. I know just now, I think one thing we, we touched on earlier was peer pressure. And at the minute, my, my 13 year old boy, Leighton, or he's just about to turn 13. He he's in uh, at his school just now. There's a range called Nice, I think is how it's pronounced. Oh, oh um, my, my son's the, the he he is the poster child for that. Nicky, oh, I call it. Is that what it's called? <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> we keep saying, "Who's this Nicky? You've got his jumper again. You've taken it home with you." Yeah, uh, I, I wind him up. I, I say the same uh, to him, and and it is that seems to be all the age. So there's peer pressure on kids to have certain clothing or certain toys yeah. at, at different ages, and and it's nuts, but. It is, it's good to, for them to see how much it actually costs for, for all of these things. And when they're paying for it themselves, it makes them more conscious of what they're paying out for as well. Yeah. I touched earlier on the idea of saving for kids by, by putting pocket money in a piggy bank and then an actual bank. Are there other financial products that they could be looking at these days as well or that we could be looking into for them to give them a good start in life financially? When you get... A, a lot of the banks will do children's accounts um some of them will even do like online banking for for kids now as well some banks have got accounts but you've got to be a certain age to to open them i mentioned there hsbc have got like a, an instant access account it's currently paying two and a half percent i think santander had one paying three percent at the minute but there was different terms i think you had to have a minimum balance a thousand pounds in it to get that kind of rate so you can use comparison websites to see who's got the best on children's bank accounts and, and savings accounts. So some people have, have got um, junior ISAs or sometimes they call children's ISAs for their kids. The, the downside with that is that they can't access the money 
until age 18. So any money that goes into these junior ISAs is gone until age 18. At age 16, the kids can start to manage that themselves. Another potential downside is that the kids have got access to it at age 18. It's not <laughs> the, the parents. So we, we spoke about this on previous episodes before. Yeah. It's like at age 18, they get the money. And like I, I know if I was 18 getting thousand or a couple of thousand pounds, I'd have been like, I, I'm way down to the pub or, Aye, or whatever. See, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm, I'm way abroad, yeah. <laughs> Aye, that's that, no, definitely. I'm away to Ibiza for a week, see ya. Uh-huh. Now, money changes so much in your lifetime as well, doesn't it? I mean, my parents still talk about shillings and halfpennies. I just didn't remember when I was young. You were talking about this earlier, about the new five pences. I remember half pennies being abolished. Uh, I remember 20 pences coming in. I remember the pound coin and then paper pound notes being chucked. These days... We hardly even use coins of paper at all. It's all cashless, a tap of a card or a phone or a watch. And then there's things like cryptocurrencies, which most adults, I think, don't really understand. I mean, is there a case for us bettering our own knowledge so we can teach our kids what their future is going to be more like? There is. I mean, we're heading towards, I wouldn't say a cashless society, but this cash transactions are becoming less and less. My oldest son is 17, and he uses Apple Pay for a lot of things. Yeah. If we're up at McDonald's and he's ordering something for himself, he'll just pass me his phone and I'm <laughs> like, bang, contactless. That's it. It's it's yeah. crazy. So he he does. He almost teaches me a thing or two because I, I never use Apple Pay. You, you've got this contactless on the, the cards and it makes it almost easier to spend money, does it? I mean, like nowadays, you often then I need to put in your PIN number for in and Face ID maybe recognises it. And, and it is. So things are changing and, I mean, a lot of bank branches are sadly closing these days, so you, you often don't have the, the local branches anymore. But, but what I do with my kids is I, I show them my online banking and, and transactions. And my, my oldest son, Rowan, I actually go through his bank statement with him and I'll say, look, this month X amount went in, but you've spent this amount. And he'll be like, no, I haven't spent that. And I'm like, look, you have. And we'll work <laughs> through it. Yeah. Add it up and... And jeepers, you can you can sometimes see it's it's sometimes easy to spend little bits here, little bits there. So I I do that. I mean, I I would show my kids my online banking to kind of show them how it works. I mean, obviously some folk would want to check first to make sure they're comfortable with showing them what they've got coming in and, and yeah. out. So you you've got to do what's comfortable for for yourself. But I I do that with my kids to try and teach them and say, look, it is this is how it all works. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, uh, tie this one up for me in a neat little bow, Phil. What are the, the key takeaway points for teaching kids about money? And are there any useful resources which can help give you ideas, for instance? Yeah, I would say, like, probably the key takeaways from today, set good examples. So try and do is try and get them looking at what you're doing and saying, oh, yeah, that, that looks great. So setting good examples is good. Getting them into good habits is, is another thing getting them into that savings habit is, is good and, and not only savings but just teaching them about money i, I think the, the more they learn about money the more confident they, they can be with it so that, that's what i would say the key takeaways are from from the show today okay here we go as we uh, enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story and what have you got regarding this one and how to teach kids about money i remember when i when i was young my, my first job was a paper round and one of the things we used to do with the paper rounds, we had to collect the money when we were going round. I think that was on a Friday. And there was always some folk you didn't get in and others that would pay late and, and things. But every time I would have this 
pocket full of cash, coins, a few notes kind of in there as well. And the, the first thing I did on a Friday after I finished my paper round was down to the local paper shop and said, oh, have one of these, one of them. And <laughs> almost every week when I was counting the money to hand it in, I was short just about every time. And I used to always think, oh, no, somebody swiped me. Somebody hasn't <laughs> given me enough. But, you know, I think the more honest I am as I get older, the more I think, nah, I just spent too much at that <laughs> point. So that probably wasn't a very good example for being good with, with money. But it taught my lesson that I, I always thought, like, in, in life, I was like, right, if you want things, you either need to earn more or, or spend less or sacrifice something. And, and that, that's good lessons to, to teach the kids as well. Absolutely. We always do this bit as well, Phil. You find inspiration through various folk that you admire and you love a quote. I know that. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on how to teach kids about money? If money doesn't grow on trees, then why do banks have branches? <laughs> I like that. Uh, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you'd like to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you prefer. Now, let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. Give it to you after this. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. I run a catering business, an industry which, as you know, has been hugely impacted by COVID and continues to be. My question is, do you know of any insurance providers in the market who offer reasonable policies which still address this kind of thing? Because it's becoming harder and harder to simply operate with no guarantees and endless hurdles to negotiate. This is something that, that must be really common at this point, I would have thought, Phil. Yeah, the, the, the insurance market's changing constantly. So, so what I would say to people is speak to somebody that knows that market well, so somebody that would know it better than, than myself. And what I would suggest in this instance, there, there's a company called Hygos, H-I-G-O-S. Now, I've used them in the past. They, they're insurance brokers. I've used them in the past, and they, they can source insurance for all sorts of things. So I, I would say in this instance, probably worth giving them a try I, I've seen them get insurance for folk for so many different things. They, they would know how the market's changing, how insurance companies' criteria is changing and things as well. So I definitely recommend speaking to them. Their website is www.highgoss.co.uk. Next one's from Lisa in Calendar. Lisa says, hi, Phil. Looking to sell my house soon, fingers crossed. I know there are costs involved and items which by law are compulsory now for you to include when you're selling. I think this, reading between the lines, Lisa's probably someone that maybe sold her house a long time ago and hasn't moved in a while. She says, I'm actually scared I won't be able to afford the initial cost to get my house to market. And that's prevented me from doing it so far. Do you know if there are businesses out there which will only charge, say, upon sale? Because I don't think I can afford it otherwise. Yeah, there are some companies that will only charge you when you sell. What I would recommend doing in this instance is maybe speaking to a few different firms and, and tell them your situation. One, one thing in Scotland that you need when you're selling is you've got to have what's called a home report. Yeah. Now, I know when I sold last year, I think I paid for that up front quite early on in the process. But I, I would speak to some solicitors and estate agents because they might have an option where you can defer these sort of costs until you sell. So I, I definitely check with a few different firms to see if, if that would be a possibility. But the, the likes of the estate agency fees that you would pay, they're not usually payable until the, the end. And sometimes some of the estate agents and solicitor firms can defer like marketing costs and stuff until you, you've sold as well. 
would say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question, and like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. That way, you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John.